thank you, Father, for saving us, for lifting us up out of the pit, for setting our feet upon a rock, and for putting a brand new song in our mouths. Thank you that Jesus saves. As we open up your word, I pray that you would teach us from it, and that you would show us that Jesus saves. It's in his good, holy, and precious name that I ask it. Amen and amen. Take your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on, whatever you have to do to get there with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and I want to share a message with you this morning that I have titled, The Message of Miracles. The Message of Miracles, as we continue to work our way through the book of Acts, learning how the church, how we have been sent into the world with the message of the gospel. If I mentioned a couple of names to you, there are probably some, some opinions that come to mind. For example, if I mention the name Kenneth Copeland to you, there's probably a certain thing that might come to mind if y'all know who he is. Or maybe the name Benny Hinn, if you know who that guy is, you know, the guy who, and people fall back, that guy. Now, it, when I mention people like Kenneth Copeland or Benny Hinn, I'm, I'm talking about people who have, have become pretty famous, and the way they've become famous is by promising that they can do a miracle of some type in your life as long as you have the faith and the checkbook. <laughs> now, if you've got the faith and the checkbook, they'll do, they, they promise to do something about it. Now, tragically, that has taken advantage of thousands of people, and, and one of the most damaging aspects of that is when we see people that we know are fake, when we see fake faith healers and those kinds of things, when the story breaks, when there's a news report of someone who's been exposed in doing that, it can cause us to doubt the miracles of God as recorded in Scripture. Someone can draw the conclusion and say, well, if uh, they can fake it, surely someone else can as well. And, and yet we see in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, that miracles are a major part of the church's story. We're only three chapters into the book of Acts, and we're already about to read of a miracle. In fact, physical healing occurs in Acts no less than 14 times. Of the 28 chapters in the book... At least 12 of them show us some type of miracle that is taking place. And so we're going to read Acts chapter 3 today. This is the first miracle in the church. It's the first miracle post-Jesus. The first one that's been uh, done. And, and we're going to read this miracle that happened. And then we're going to learn from it today. Acts chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, and as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. 
And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he's Baptocostal, leaping up. He stood and began to walk and into the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, Peter never wasted the chance to preach, okay? Peter saw it. He said, hey, I got, a, I got an audience. So when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. The message of this miracle, I see it going in in, in a few different directions, and I want to share those with you this morning. Okay, first, this miracle points us upward as it authenticates the message of Jesus. Okay, the message of this miracle is designed to point us upward because it authenticates the message of Jesus. You see, miracles were God's validation of Jesus. Miracles in the New Testament were how God validated the message of Jesus that was spoken by the apostles. That's why you see in verses 14 through 16, two miracles. There's the the miracle, obviously, of raising this man who was lame, who could not walk. But then there's also the miracle that the text points out of how God raised Jesus from the dead. 
Speaking of our salvation, speaking of how God accomplishes it, the author of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 2. He says, it was declared at first by the Lord, our salvation, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. See, miracles were a divine signature. Miracles authenticated who Jesus said he was and that his apostles were who they said they were as they carried out his mission. You see, there are some things that happen that are so extraordinary that the only conclusion can be that they are divine. And the events that happen in the life of Jesus and his resurrection certainly fall into that category. God surrounded the ministry of Jesus God surrounded the ministry of this first church with miracles which authenticated their message. Therefore, we better pay attention to verse 23. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet Jesus shall be destroyed from the people. You've got an opinion about Jesus. I've got an opinion about Jesus. And God has an opinion about Jesus. Of those three opinions, may I ask you, which one do you think matters? Yeah, not yours. <laughs> not mine. God's. God has said something about Jesus. And what he has said has been verified through miracles and through the resurrection. God declared him to be Lord and the only way of salvation. Are you listening to him? Because the message of this miracle, it authenticates to us who Jesus is. Here's a second lesson. And don't think, oh man, he was fast on that first one. I'm not about to be fast on this one, okay? Second, this miracle points us forward as it anticipates a future restoration. Okay, it points us upward in that it authenticates us to us, the, the message, the ministry of Jesus, but it also points us forward as it anticipates a future restoration. Would you look with me again in verses 19 through 21, where the text says, Peter is preaching, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ upon Appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. See, the healing of this lame man is a sign of the coming restoration of all things that God has planned. There were lots of people who were sick. In Jesus' day, there were lots of people who were sick in the apostles' days. There were lots of people who could not walk in Jerusalem on that day, but Peter chose to heal this one man because this one healing would be a sign of the full restoration that is coming. You see, 
The miracles of Jesus weren't just to show how powerful he was. The miracles of Jesus were not just to authenticate who who he was or who the apostles were. Every miracle that Jesus and the apostles performed, every single one of them alleviated suffering. They pointed to Jesus' saving purpose. He healed leprosy. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to those who could not hear. He stopped storms. He even raised the dead. And those miracles show us that God is no happier with this world as it is right now than you and I are. God did not create the world with pain or disease or death. All of that came through the corruption of sin. You see, pain, disease, death, they are not natural. And this miracle points us to the world as God created it and to the world as he wants it to be again. When you view it from this perspective, miracles are not a suspension of the natural order. They are a return to the natural order. So let me say to you, and please hear me clearly, to those of you today who are in pain, who are in suffering, this is your great hope. This is your sustaining joy. Your situation here is temporary. A full restoration is on the way. See how Jesus spoke about those holy prophets who spoke long ago? I want to show you what one of those holy prophets said about this time of full restoration. His name was Isaiah. And his book is full of these pictures of this future restoration. And and for example, he says in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 10, he's speaking about when God will return and restore all things. That the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, that's Jesus, in that day who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, on him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. Well, about four of you that are saved here, I can tell this morning that you're looking forward to that. But then later on, look at what Isaiah said. And read his words from chapter 35 in light of this miracle that takes place. Isaiah says on that day, a full restoration, he prays 
Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the waters and streams the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the halt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools. I'm glad that part's in there because I'm at the fool part. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and one day, my friend, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That is restoration. And this miracle points to that day. This lame man's healing points us to a healing that is yet to come. But this healing is found in one person. And one person alone. His name is Jesus. And this healing is only for one person and one person alone. And that's the person who has surrendered their lives to him. This miracle points us upward as it authenticates the message of Jesus. And it points us forward as it anticipates full restoration. But it also points inward as it acknowledges our need for spiritual healing. You see, our physical needs point us to our spiritual need. Not every person suffers from physical blindness but every single one of us, we have been impacted by spiritual blindness. This miracle isn't so much about what Jesus can do for us physically with our bodies as it is what he can do for us spiritually in our souls. So this man had two needs as he perceived them. He needed money. He was a beggar asking for alms. And he needed healing. He had been lame from his birth. Notice that the first thing he asked for is not healing. The first thing he asked for is money. And Peter said to him, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And what Peter's saying is, what you want from me is good, but I'm about to give you something better. And he gave him in that moment a physical healing. You see, as difficult as disease can be, as bad as suffering can be, there is something that is worse. The spiritual sickness of the soul is far worse than the physical sickness of the body. Because listen to me this morning, physical sickness may take your life, but spiritual sickness left uncured will take your soul and separate you from God forever. 
And as great as physical healing is, and it is great, and when it happens, we celebrate it when it happens. As great as physical healing is, there is something greater, and it's spiritual healing. It is salvation. We need something more than physical healing. We need something more than money. We need something more than to have power and positions and, and postures and possessions. We need restoration to God. This is why that holy prophet of old, Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 53, surely he has borne our sorrows, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement was brought to us, has brought us peace. Read this last part with me. And with that stunk. God, that stunk. Good grief. I just added 10 minutes to my sermon. Just did, okay? Let's see if we can name. Let's go back. Okay. It's right there. Okay. It's on the screen. It's going to be the last line on that screen, okay? The chastisement that brought us peace and Wounds, we are what? Healed. His wounds, we are healed. In Jesus Christ, we have salvation. We have the forgiveness of sin. We have peace with God. We have an inheritance that is incorruptible, can never be taken away. Is that not the greatest miracle ever? And we have that in Jesus Christ. As with most of Peter's sermons, he calls for his hearers to repent, to shift their direction away from sin, and to turn to the Lord for salvation, to ask God to give them a new attitude that causes them to despise sin and to be devoted to the Savior. That is his call and response in Acts chapter 3, and that's my call and response to you today. It's to call you to repentance if you don't have this relationship with Jesus. A couple of decades ago, or it may have been a lot more than that now, uh, a man named Squire Parsons, you may recognize that name, a a hymn writer, He, he wrote a song And he titled that song, The Greatest of All Miracles. I'll spare you my singing, but I want to read to you a couple of words, a couple of lyrics from that song. He said, I wasn't there by the shores of Galilee when Jesus touched those blinded eyes and made them see. And though I did not see the empty tomb that day, I still believed, for I know what Jesus did for me. I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. I believe there is healing in the touch of his hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me. Yes, I know. He did it all for me.
My friend, he did it all for you. And with all the love that's in my heart, and I promise you, I say this, I love my heart. If you walk out of this room without a relationship with Jesus, you are the greatest fool in this world. What shall it profit a man if he gains the entire world but loses his own soul? Has Jesus done a miracle of salvation in your life? Has there been a time that you cried out to him as best you know how in repentance and faith and confess your sins? If not, he'll do that greatest miracle in your life right now. Maybe he's done that miracle in your life, but there are people in your family, your circle of friends, and, and you're praying that that miracle would take place in their life as well. You can never understand the power of your prayers as you pray for those who stand outside the kingdom of God. See, this man had a miracle. He could not help but stand up and leap. And I don't know exactly what the Greek word, the definition, I didn't look it up before I came in here, but I'm going to say it's probably got something to do with he was probably a little bit loud too. He's probably shouting. He's probably singing. He's probably letting everybody around him know what had happened to him. If you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, Jesus has done more for you than he did for that lame man that day. Why don't you tell somebody about it? Why don't you shout it as loud as you can what Jesus has done for you? I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing. This altar is open for you to pray. You can pray there in your pew. If you've got a question about what it means for this miracle to happen in your life, we'll be glad to talk with you about that. And take you to the next step of what that is in your life. I don't know what God has placed upon your heart as you came in here today, but I know that whatever needs you have, he is able to meet and he's able to sustain you. So whatever burden you walked in here with today, please don't leave here with it. Lay it down at the feet of this miracle worker who'll do a miracle in your life and your soul today. Father God, I thank you that this miracle that you accomplished through the apostles shows us that you are who you say you are. And that it helps us to look forward to a future restoration that is coming. That's going to be greater and longer than any kind of restoration we experience on this earth. And I thank you that we can turn to you when we are convicted of our sin and find forgiveness. So today I pray for the person or people who are sitting in this room who are listening to us online and they don't have a relationship with you. They've not experienced this greatest miracle. Physical healing means absolutely nothing if the soul is not healed of its sin. So Father, I pray that they would cry out to you, the great physician, to cure their sin sickness. All they have to do is call out and repent. And by your grace, you'll give them this miracle. And Father, I know that there are many of us, most of us in this room, in fact, have experienced this miracle in our lives already. 
but we've got children, we've got parents, we've got grandparents, we've got siblings, we've got friends, we have neighbors. But if today is their last day on this earth, they will die in their sin and spend eternity apart from you. How sad that would be, especially in a week where we celebrate the fact that we have freedom to speak Jesus wherever we are. Father, would you help us and move us to share with them the reason for the hope that we have. Have your will and your way in our lives in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you.